You are now listening to the people of digital marketing with your host, me, Kenny Soto. This podcast is your source for marketing strategies, tactics, and most importantly, career advice from the best digital marketers in the world. From B2B to B2C, startups to Fortune 500 companies, and everything in between, I interview experts in marketing so that we can grow to become better marketers together. If you're a marketer who wants a leg up in this space, well, guess what? You're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in. Insights, I think a lot of times people stop at facts or observations. And they're not just that. It's that plus many other things. For example, a technological trend, societal trends, cultural um, things. Uh, The best example I can give you is a really good comedian. You know, those comedians where you're listening to them and, and they say, and you say, oh, my God, I never thought of that. But that's so true. That is an insight. Right. They're taking something from over here, over here, putting it together in a way that you may not have articulated it, but you've always felt it or kind of thought it in the back of your mind. And an insight is one of those things that then is articulated in a manner that tells you there's a core truth here. And this is what's really driving it. Happy Monday to you. Happy Monday. If you're hearing this, it's Monday, and I'm very excited. If it's not Monday, then this episode's already out, and thanks anyway for listening to this episode. You just heard a clip from Darshan Mehta. Now, who's Darshan? Darshan is the founder of iResearch.com, a platform that allows users to quickly extract insights from consumers throughout the world, and he's also the founder of ConnectQuick.com an app that allows users to make instant connections and take part in engaging interactions. Drawing from more than 20 years of marketing strategy and research experience, Meta has also authored a book, Getting to Aha, Today's Insights Are Tomorrow's Facts, to help business leaders understand and leverage changing consumer preferences. In this episode, we mainly cover three topics, focus groups and why focus groups are important, insights, what are they, and how to take action from them. And then the third is just his general experience as a founder of multiple companies and as a marketing professor. So if you enjoy learning more about how to be a better marketer, as always, this is an episode for you. Now, let's tune in. Hi, Darshan. How are you? Hey, Kenny. Great to be here. So before recording, I gave you a little background on the podcast, and I think the best way to start is for us to get a little bit of background about you as a person and as a professional. So my first question for you is, what got you interested in the world of digital marketing? Well, I'll give you a full background. I was born in India, but I came to the U.S. when I was four years old, and I've grown up in an entrepreneurial household uh, all my life. And so in college, I really liked working on case studies. And as a result of that, I went into management consulting. And then I gravitated more and more towards uh, marketing, advertising, branding, and market research. And I'd say like in 96, 98, I started dabbling with online research methodologies. I wasn't sure which, how they're going to be. And I started playing with it. And part of it is my friends accused me of having the extra Indian gene for technology. So <laughs> I was drawn to technology and uh, I've liked it ever since. And now I'm getting ready to launch a SaaS platform to allow people to do online on-demand focus groups anytime, anywhere, in any language. Can you talk more about that platform? Oh, sure. 
So, you know, there's basically two ways to do research or gain insights. One is through surveys, which most of us are familiar with and have taken one, and others are focus groups. And this is where you actually have conversations to get a deep dive into the why. In other words, why do people do what they do? What drives their behavior? And this is something that really, the way, the best way to do it is have conversations. And, you know, a lot of times when you have open-ended questions on surveys, most people don't answer them. But with a conversation, especially when you have a focus group uh, on a particular topic with a lot of people interested in the same area, you can do deep dives, which then start revealing all kinds of kernels of insights, which is really quite amazing. I like that you mentioned insight because I think that's something that may not necessarily be clear cut or clearly defined in a marketer's first few years in the profession. So can you define in your own words what an insight is and what are insights supposed to do? Sure. Insights, I think a lot of times people stop at facts or observations, and they're not just that. It's that plus many other things. For example, a technological trend, societal trends, cultural um, things. Uh, the best example I can give you is a really good comedian. You know, those comedians where you're listening to them and, and they say, and you say, oh my God, I never thought of that, but that's so true. That is an insight, right? They're taking something from over here, over here, putting it together in a way that you may not have articulated it, but you've always felt it or kind of thought it in the back of your mind. And an insight is one of those things that then is articulated in a manner that tells you there's a core truth here, and this is what's really driving it. And that, to me, is a real insight. And what you're trying to do in these focus groups or these conversations is to tap into people's subconscious, because 95% of the decisions we make are from our subconscious. We as humans can process a tremendous amount of information from what we see, what we uh, taste, smell, feel, and just kind of our intuition, right? And so all those things are kind of in our subconscious, even when we're talking to someone, meet someone for the first time, but they help drive decisions. And what these conversations do, it's similar to let's say you're at a cocktail party, right? And you're with some people and you're in a group and you start talking about a topic and everybody's just doing a deep dive and you start saying, oh my God, I never thought of that. And you feed off of each other. That's what you're trying to recreate. And when you do that, people start articulating the things they feel, what drive them and so on and so forth. And that's where the opportunities are to get insights that ultimately drive innovation, differentiation, and ultimately a competitive advantage. Insights and, and to a greater point, the focus groups aid in the ongoing refining of a marketing strategy. But considering the fact that you have so much history in the marketing field, I wanted to know from your perspective, how has approaching marketing strategy changed over time from your observations? Well, I think you're seeing more and more of a convergence of, you know, not just strategy and tactics, but also the experience. Uh, I recently uh, released a book called Getting to AHA, Why Today's Insights Are Tomorrow's Facts. And one of the things I discussed in there is that people, I don't think, are just buying products anymore. They're actually buying experiences. And they're bringing experiences they may even have from another product or category, but they're expecting equivalent or better experience maybe in, a, in your industry, your product or category. And the other thing that's really changed is, of course, the dissemination of information and the conversation about your brand or product. Traditionally, it's always been a one-way communication where you advertise 
and people, you know, might send you feedback. But now with the internet, social media, there's a conversation going on about your product, whether you want to be in it or not. <laughs> so your choice is no longer do you want to have a conversation. Your choice is do you want to be part of that conversation. And I would encourage you to be part of that conversation, even if they're negative comments, because I think people realize things can happen, but it's not that something bad happens. They're really trying to see how you handle when something bad happens. To a certain degree, it's not just marketing strategy. It's marketing overall, conversations with customers, the tactics we use. All of these things are going to change again and again and again. How can marketers, and to a greater extent, business leaders and professionals in general, continuously adapt to change as it continues to get faster and faster? That's why I think these conversations are very important. In all honesty, I've been doing this for a while. And one of the things you see after a while is that you learn a lot from these conversations. And also you just get a better understanding of human nature. So even when you start making some more calculated or intuitive steps uh, without research or anything later on with business strategy or decisions, your gut's going to be better and more informed because you have a better understanding of your customers and the human nature. However, I would still strongly recommend having ongoing conversations with your customers because I think uh, research or insights and especially focus groups have often been criticized that customers can't give you a solution. And that may be true, but I can tell you one thing where I would not argue with customers are their pain points or the things that bother them or the things that drive them crazy because they may not know the solution, but they know something that's driving them crazy. And that's where you come in as an expert of your product or category or industry and say, you know what, I know what they're saying, but I know how to solve it. And that's where the opportunities for, I think, innovation and differentiation really occur and can give you a big competitive advantage. Can you tell us more about your book? Sure. It's uh, it's something that uh, over the years I've learned, I've worked with a lot of clients to do surveys and focus groups, but I've often find that most clients are still dissatisfied with their efforts because they still can't get at the why. And part of the problem is because uh, having focus groups in the past has been very expensive. And that's what I'm trying to change with my platform to make it much more affordable and for you to do it on a regular basis. And so I'm talking about really how to go and get those insights and encouraging people to have more and more conversations. And there's a, a variety of examples throughout the book that I think can serve as guidance, but also maybe inspiration to go out and do it on your own. You've had experience as an adjunct professor in two universities and in doing research on that, you have taught, among other things, business presentations. How have business presentations in your experience changed over time? Would you teach the same things knowing what you know today and how marketing and business operations in general have changed as well? Sure. I think uh, there's, a, there's a handful there. And let me, let me try to break it down a little bit. I teach because I actually enjoy, I've learned that when you actually practice is one thing, but when you actually teach, you learn something from a 360 perspective. And young people are always asking great questions and challenge you and kind of come from a clean slate. So it's always keeping you on your toes. So, but going back to presentations, I think, and even just business in general, to be honest with you, the one thing that's never going to change is the human connection. I mean, even the internet in terms of technology, ultimately, what has it really done for us is basically connected like-minded people for certain things. Let's just take Uber, for example, right? I mean, taxis existed before, but they just made the experience easier, 
better, more interesting, different, but also much more frictionless. But at the end of the day, they're basically combining a buyer and a seller. Same thing with Airbnb. But all of that still boils down to the reviews, the people, the guests, and everything. It's always going to be that human connection. And that human connection boils down to communicating. And so in business presentations, the things that have always been there are you know, slides or decks. And I think sometimes people get a little bit too, you know, their eyes glaze over with the amount of information that's often in these decks. And I think people are trying to pack too much in there. So that's one of the things I do in this uh, workshop is talk about what you should keep and not keep in your presentation in terms of your visuals. But, you know, keep in mind that you're always going to be limited in terms of how much people can retain. And so the other thing is also that we worked on in the workshop is Q&A. Because you can have a great presentation, but a bad Q&A, and it can totally kill the entire presentation. But the other can happen as well. You can have a so-so presentation, but a great Q&A, and you can save it. And that's something a lot of people don't get often trained on is Q&A. And that's one of my favorite parts is Q&A. Let's dive into Q&A a little bit more. I've run workshops in the past, and I'll be honest, I shied away from Q&A only because I don't know how to prepare myself, nor the audience on how to have that back and forth, what are some best practices when it comes to preparing, facilitating, adding Q&A to a workshop session? So in, in a presentation, the one thing I always tell people up front, be prepared for dumb and stupid questions. <laughs> I mean, be prepared for a question that on something you just spoke about. And your job is not to come back with a you idiot tone of voice, look, or anything. Your job is to act like it's an excellent question and come back and address the question. Because oftentimes, a Q&A is actually an opportunity that someone in the audience may take to highlight themselves and how smart and how great they are. But what you don't want to do is in any way, shape, or form, attack a questioner. Because what happens if you attack the questioner, the audience will side with the questioner. However, if you have people that are attacking you as a presenter and they keep attacking, an interesting th thing happens. The audience will side with the presenter and come to help save them. <laughs> and that's what you want. So be prepared for dumb and stupid questions, but always listen to the question. Don't assume you know the question because part of what you're doing is making sure you listen to it. But the other is you want to make sure you actually have a little bit of time to address it. And it gives you some time to think about it. And so you want to, always never interrupt someone asking their question. And oftentimes people will ask compound questions. So if you can break them up into pieces that are more manageable for you, and that also allows you some time to think and articulate your answer as you're going along. Yeah, and to add to your point, I think sometimes, and I'm an interviewer, so it happens to me as well, we naturally use compound questions sometimes. So it is a good point that you mentioned that sometimes parsing them, Figuring out what's the order you want to address the, the, the parts of a question definitely help. In regards to your history as a founder, you've founded multiple companies, and I'm sure there's one, if not many threads, holistic themes, if you will, when it comes to marketing those companies. What are some of those threads or themes that you've been able to identify and I ask this question because I'm sure there's lessons that you've taken from one that apply to the others. Yeah, <clears throat> I've actually really thought about it and over experience. I've realized that basically, if you can do three plus one, your chances of being very successful 
increase exponentially. And what do I mean by that? Usually, if you can save people time, money, or make it easier, your chance of being successful are pretty good. If you can do one, let's say, I think your chance of being successful is 1x. If you can do two, it's 2x. If you can do three, all three of them, right? Save time, money, or make it easier. I think you have a 3x chance of being successful. However, if you can evoke an emotion, that could change to 6, 12. I don't know what the x is because it depends on the emotion. And once you do that, if you encountered a product or service that evoked an emotion with you, what is likely the first thing you're going to want to do? Most likely, you're going to share it with somebody else. Yeah, word of mouth. That would probably be the first thing. Right. You're going you're gonna to want to say, I got to tell my friend about it. I got to tell my family. I got to tell somebody I say, that this is really cool. This is what I experienced. And that's because of the emotion you evoked. And so if you can do that, your chance of being successful increased exponentially. I have a follow-up here because I'm trying to think of a, not a detractor, but more so like a rebuttal to the, the answer, just to dig deeper. What do you say to the marketer who says cynically, the emotion can't be measured? Well, like actually, data. you can now. Well, okay. it depends on what emotion you're trying to evoke, but you can measure it nowadays because if you evoke an emotion, a positive experience, and people start sharing it, now it's very measurable. Before it wasn't as measurable, right? Now you can measure it in terms of comments, shares, all kinds of things. Um, but ultimately, the ultimate measure is in terms of people purchasing your product and service and also loyalty. Yeah. And you can probably ideally talk to your customers to know what those emotions are from their own words by hosting focus groups and actually engaging with them on a direct level, not just as numbers on a screen. I think you bring up an interesting point. And I think that is that a lot of companies and a lot of people, even including myself at times, get too involved in KPIs and numbers. Certainly. And we lose the fact that basically anything we do, if you can humanize your product, service, or brand, you're just more likely to make that connection with the consumer. And if you can make that connection, you're going to build a relationship. And if you have a good relationship, you're going to foster loyalty and word of mouth. And those are all the ultimate KPIs if you really think about it. Because if you can drive that, if you can concentrate on that, the rest will follow. Yeah. And the first brand that comes to my mind when you say loyalty and word of mouth, for some reason, it's always Nike. Because if you think about Nike, they've been around for decades. And the reason why they'll, they'll be around for decades in the future is because they know how to tap into culture, emotion, and make it so that they're always part of a conversation. So much so that the loyalty is so strong that if someone, at least in my social circle, is wearing Adidas, we'll make fun of them because it's always about Nike. Nike's the best. All right. My last question for you, Darshan, it's hypothetical because time machines don't exist. But if they did, and you can go back in time 10 years into the past, knowing everything you know right now, how would you accelerate the speed of your career? Um, I would have been pursuing insights even earlier uh, than I would have, and I would have had a much more focused approach to it that I, if I had the knowledge I know now, then I'd be even better at it. And that's part of really what I was writing in the book. And the premise is why today's insights are tomorrow's facts. If you think about all the things that are around in our world, at one point was an insight someone created. They didn't always exist there. And the perfect example is look at our smartphones, right? They weren't always part of our life. I mean, they've been around since basically the mid to late 2000s. Uh, we had cell phones and stuff before, but a smartphone really, and look how it's changed our lives 
And that's an insight someone had and, and took it to a whole nother level. And now it's completely changed our lives. And this, it become a fact, like it's just given. But keep in mind, a lot of these things that we, uh, part of our normal world, someone had an insight, thought about it, created it. And that's what I'm saying. If you can have these conversations and have an insight for an innovative product service, you can be a leader in that area before it actually becomes a fact. Darshan, if anyone wanted to say hello to you online, where could they find you? Uh, they can send me an email directly at dm at iresearch.com or go to iresearch.com. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of The People of Digital Marketing with your host, Kenny Soto. And as always, I hope you have a great week. But today I wanted to end this episode on a slightly different note. This is now episode 82. So we're almost at episode 100. And I'm asking you, the listeners, to rate us on Apple Podcasts. We only have nine reviews right now, trying to grow those reviews up. So if you have anything hopefully kind to say about the podcast, leave a review. Five stars is ideal, but we'll take anything we can get right now. So I appreciate that. And I hope everyone has a great day. Whoa, 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 whoa. Before you go, just want to let you know that on episode 83 of the People Digital Marketing, I'll have Yisrael or Yiz Siegel on the podcast. And he is a consultant and a fractional CMO who's been in the game since 2014. In the next episode, we'll be covering content development, how to take a generalist's approach, and why he prefers being a marketing generalist as opposed to a specialist. And other things like how do you create a good campaign funnel and is Quora a, a good marketing channel to use in 2022? So if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and tune in next week for my interview with Israel Siegel. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to submit a rating and leave a review on your podcasting app. Reviews like this help to grow this podcast and get it to more people like yourself, people who want to grow in their marketing careers. If you want to say hello, you can find me on any social media platform by simply searching Kenny Soto. I look forward to hearing from you soon. And as always, let's keep growing together.